Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by the Lockdown Network. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday hump day edition of the show. Really excited for the segments we have lined up. Kyle and I are going to have a debate that I can tell you I feel really strong about once we get to it. And Kyle, speaking of that, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. We'd like to thank you for tuning into the Dudes. Uh, Draft Network is off and running. I know our colleagues joked about this the other day, saying someday uh, they will get into a podcast without mentioning the Draft Network. But uh, like our colleagues over at the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, uh, we're going to pound you over the head with it to make sure you get over there and check it out because uh, we're off to a roaring start, Joe. Yeah, a lot of content every day, a lot of great features, a lot of great features to come, man. We still got the mock draft machine and the build your own big board features coming later this month, maybe early September. We'll see, but they're coming. And uh, that'll be such a great compliment to what I think is outstanding written and audio content. A lot of video stuff coming. There's a lot in the works. Make sure you're following the Draft Network on Twitter at Draft Network LLC. Preach, Joe. What are Kyle, we? What are we what, drinking? I, I've got. What are we drinking right now? And, oh, uh, honest answer. Yeah. Unsweet tea. Okay, I'm having coffee, so we're doing all right. <laughs> I, you know, look, I'm doing this keto diet thing, which I think I've mentioned here on the show. So the beverage piece of this has been very difficult for me as a pretty avid soda drinker, not the sugary sodas. I mean, I I do like the Coke Zero. Um, and man, I just got sick of drinking water, and so I've oh, run that I, by I me again. My, I got sick of drink exclusively water when that's all you drink. I know it's look you've you've been on this hill for as long as I've ever known you. Has come up on this podcast that you think that water is a trash beverage, and um, look, I, I needed to venture out. I couldn't have the sugar, so I went with the unsweet tea. And I've sampled it in the past; thought it was disgusting, but uh, it is like sweet nectar to me. Now, uh, to complement the boringness that is H2O. Oh, welcome to my life. I feel like you had a take before I cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. Dig uh, in. No, you know what? I was going to get into this, my annual gripe about people who choose to have weddings in the fall when there's football games on Saturdays and Sundays. And look, I mean, if it's your dream for that, Fall foliage in the mountains. Yeah, I'm not going to get in the way of that, but don't expect me to come. I got to work. I got to work. I got to watch football games. And, uh, you know, it's just so inconvenient. You know, people people that don't even do this for a living want to watch their favorite team. They don't want to sacrifice that when you can get married on literally 52 other, 52 other, there's 52 Saturdays for you to choose from in the year. Just don't pick one with a full slate of college football games. Yeah, there's like 12 that are off limits, right? It's like you can't do it. And uh, lo and behold, I know you've got at least one wedding. Just one. This fall. I've got two weddings this fall. One in October and one in September. And uh, we're going to both. So that just means I have to (laughs) double dip. 
on uh, some of the other weeks. I have to double dip, hit more than one game. I'm actually really excited. Uh, Baylor is visiting West Virginia in October, late October, and I've been credentialed for that game. So I'm going to get a Thursday game in Morgantown, and then I'm going to stay out that way and find another game to go to. Maybe hit Penn State on my way back. They play Iowa. I don't really know. The ball's kind of in Penn State's court. I've got a uh, a cold streak going, trying to get into Penn State for credentialed events. So here's hoping this is the year. Penn State, if you're listening, I love you. I gave you guys a lot of money to go to school there and get my education there. Let me do my job there, right? Seems like the least they can do. The reason, yeah, that's why this is on my mind today because Kyle and I were working on our travel schedules this fall to you know get to the games that we can. And um, I noticed that I couldn't go to one on November 3rd because uh, I got to go to a wedding. So um, thank you to those, those, those friends. They think they're friends, but they're not. Uh, Kyle, let's get into the news. We've got a couple of let's good ones. A couple of good ones. And uh, for a, another day here, we've got another Cleveland Browns wide receiver that uh, is making the headlines this time. Antonio Callaway, the fourth-round pick of the Cleveland Browns, was cited for marijuana possession. And, uh, Kyle, you did a piece on this for the Draft Network, and so I'm going to get out of the way here and let you react. Yeah. Um, listen. Uh, Callaway had one of the most extensive lists of red flag materials of any player that I've seen come through the draft process since I started doing this professionally uh, about five years ago. The Browns invested a fourth round pick, the 105th overall selection on Antonio Callaway. Uh, If you're not familiar with Callaway's rap sheet, uh, it includes multiple suspensions during his time at the university of Florida. Um, at least one additional marijuana citation, which he was cited with um, on Sunday morning at 3 a.m., was cited with a marijuana citation after uh, being pulled over for failing to yield to oncoming traffic. And when they pulled him over, they found that in the car, and he also had a suspended license. Not great decision-making, which is a trend for Antonio Callaway, considering he was uh, in a credit scam at the University of Florida resulting in him being suspended for the entire season and faced two third-degree felonies. Um, Callaway also, early in his Florida career, had a sexual assault allegation, which he was cleared of. But during the course of the investigation, he offered this defense of himself when saying that their encounter was consensual. Uh, I was, quote, I want to clarify, this is a direct quote. I was so stoned, I had no interest in sleeping with anyone. Well, all right then. That's, that certainly clears that one up. So this guy has all this rap sheet, then proceeds to come to the NFL Combine in 2018 after sitting out the entire season and declaring early and has a diluted drug test, which if you don't know what a diluted drug test, about eight times out of 10, that means the guy just hypersaturated the system with water. So it waters down your drug test so you don't fail or test positive for whatever they're testing you for. Callaway is also the guy that at the combine couldn't follow the instructions of the bench press instructor. Uh, He said, if you are not going to bench press, say your name, say your position, say your school, tell us why you're not participating. The guy in front of Callaway goes, says, name, position, school, I'm not bench pressing because I want to test the bench on my pro day. Callaway comes up to the microphone. Antonio Callaway walks away. (laughs) 
Coach makes him go back up, say his position, say his school, says his position, says his school, says, why aren't you benching today? I don't want to. No, why aren't you benching? Tell everybody why you aren't benching today. Uh, I want to bench press in my pro day. And then he walks away. So, like, there's such a strong track record here of, like, kid just does not get it at all. And I get day three picks are meant and designed to be low-risk, high-reward propositions with athletes of the caliber of Antonio Callaway. But, um, like, it's training camp. It is your training camp for your rookie season. And you're already popped with citations. If you have a diluted drug test at the combine, you enter the NFL in stage one of the substance abuse program. If you fail a, uh, if you get cited for substance abuse or have it being in possession of uh, substances that are banned by the NFL, which marijuana is, regardless of what your personal philosophy on, is on that, that is a fact. Uh, you are uh, eligible to face a suspension. So Callaway, who was just listed as a starter on the Browns' death chart before he's even played a snap in a preseason game, may have pissed it away, potentially pun intended there, by uh, getting this drug citation uh, due to the drug test that he had at the Combine and just an extremely long track record of bad decision-making and uh, not putting his best foot forward to keep his nose clean and stay out of trouble. Disappointing to say the least. Kyle, the other big piece of news uh, that kind of came across uh, recently here is this Khalil Mack stuff. He's what I think he's on day 13 of his holdout right now. And um, so there's some, you know, some mumblings going right now that he's potentially a trade candidate. And when you consider the comments that head coach John Gruden made about Mack, Recently on NFL Network, it makes you think maybe there's a possibility. Gruden said the defense wasn't that good with Mac in 2017. And uh, man, this is just crazy to me. Mac's one of the best two or three defensive players in the NFL. He's young and he has a lot of good football ahead of him. He's a game changing defensive player. He's a type of player that commands so much attention. Watch the Raiders all 22. You will see on most snaps, two and three blockers dedicated to Mac. If the Saints traded two first round picks to move up for Marcus Davenport, what is the price tag on Mac? And why are we even talking about a trade as a possibility? You control him, you know, really this year, for next year, you can give him the franchise tag. There's no way I'm letting Khalil Mack get away from my building. But these types of comments, the fact that they haven't spoken since February, Gruden and Mac have never spoken is not giving Mac a whole lot of uh, incentive or reason or desire to be there. And you know these players talk about it all the time. They wanted me. They valued me. They cared about me. I don't think uh, Mac's getting that vibe right now from this Raiders uh, this Raiders brass. And my goodness, what a fumble this would be if Mac gets out of the building. Just think, this is the first of 10 years <laughs> of Coach Gruden with the Raiders. There you um, go. It is going to Vegas, and uh, they must be feeling lucky because they're playing a dangerous game right now with Khalil Mack. Would would you think and, they're gambling uh, with Khalil Mack? No. I mean, that was just as bad as my okay. uh, 
pissed it away comment earlier. So I, I don't have any <laughs> to talk really. Um, yeah. Uh, Khalil Mack is a excellent football player. He's one of the best edge defenders in football. Uh, coach, put your thinking cap on for a second. One player on defense is not going to dictate the kind of success that that defense has as a unit. That's just silly. I don't know if this is posturing on your end or what, but, um, Guys better quit messing around, get Khalil Mack back in camp, pay the man because he deserves it. Kyle, do you want to do uh summer flings here? Tight end edition? Oh boy, I do. Do you mind if I kick things off here? Yeah, please do, because uh yours is a lot more exciting than yeah, so uh, I did the Big Ten this summer. You guys all know it by now if you've been listening to this podcast with any regularity. There's a guy in the Big Ten named Noah Fan. Plays tight end for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And dear Lord, the dude caught 30 balls last year and 11 of them went for touchdowns. He averaged over 15 yards per catch. Explosive, explosive athlete. Not the ground and pound type of tight end that you would expect with a blue collar football team like the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Fant is special. Fant's one of those players that when you watch him and you finish and you look at your notes, you've got an endless amount of comments in the positives. And then you look over to the negatives and you might have two blurbs written down. And it's like, well, how the hell am I going to write a report on this when my only comments are, uh, he's only 240, so he's probably not going to be effective in line and uh, power at the point of attack isn't great as a blocker. Like, that's it. Those are the negatives for Noah Fan. Like, and first of all, if you're playing him in line to begin with, you deserve to be fired because you put this guy flexed out in the slot. This has the potential to be the next big flex tight end hybrid. He runs. He ran right by the Ohio State secondary on a on a uh, a slot fade and ran right away from the defensive backs on the Ohio State Buckeyes defense, and he is like legit 6'5", 240. He's a really special athlete, and um, he's going to be the top tight end entering the 2018 college football season for me personally, and I don't think there's going to be anybody even close. Yeah, you know, and I spent time with the ACC uh, this summer, and so I'm familiar with the players in that conference the most. And um, it's a really underwhelming group uh, coming out this year, the, the draft-eligible ones at least. And the guy that popped the most for me, though, is a name that I'm going to bring to the table that I'm certain most people are not familiar with, and that is Syracuse tight end Ravian Pierce. He's uh, 6'3", 244. He's actually a four-star recruit, and uh, he's a senior this year for for the Orange. And, you know, he his utilization was so weird because – he just didn't get a lot of targets in the passing game. And when you watch Syracuse play football, it's such a volume passing offense that I just wasn't surprised that he didn't get more opportunities to uh, make make some plays in, in the passing game. And, and welcome my dogs, Nacho and Bruce, here to the podcast. Um, and so I'm excited about this. You want to get them to tighten it up? Oh, boy. Oh, that's bad, Kyle. Um, okay, so so you know now you look at Syracuse last year and, and uh, Irvin Phillips and, and – um, the, what his name is escaping me. Uh, Ishmael, Steve Ishmael got so many passes last year. And so I'm thinking that he has a really big opportunity to showcase uh, his, his receiving skill set, which in flashes was pretty appealing last year. 
Um, he didn't do a lot of different things in terms of route running. And they asked him to pretty much just work into space and they would occasionally work him on a wheel route, uh, which was actually pretty effective. You can see his movement skills and his ability to really challenge the defense vertically and, and separate and run away from people when he had chances to just get in those situations where his athleticism takes over. So I think he's an interesting flex option in terms of his receiving upside, but where he was used predominantly with Syracuse last year was as an inline blocker. And I'll be honest with you, he's not a guy that I translate to be an overly successful NFL inline blocker, but the dude gave an honest effort. He he, he really was, you could tell he was dedicated to his technique and he did his best to, to try to seal lanes and, you know, he's not the most powerful guy. He's not going to move bodies, but, you know, he certainly did his work as a technician and you could tell he was committed to it. So, look, I'm, I'm talking about a guy with an overall modest skill set that hasn't proven much, but I'm optimistic there's a chance here for Ravian Pierce as a senior to get more opportunities in the passing game and maybe get him a chance at, at being a draft pick next spring. So, uh, like I said here, the ACC is pretty underwhelming when it comes to tight ends, but this is the one guy that popped and, and, and said, you know, look, if there's a chance for there to be a riser, it's Ravian Pierce. Sounds like uh, you had a rough time coming up with the top five for the ACC, huh? Well, he's number two, so <laughs> uh, that's coming out in a few days. So you can look forward to my preseason top five tight ends in the ACC and, and read about uh, some guys that got a lot to prove. And my my uh, preseason top five Big Ten tight ends comes out on Saturday. So uh, we're going to have some tight end content over at the Draft Network. But Joe, right now, we're going to have some headbutting content because it's time for Scout versus Scout. Da-da-da. We need like a, a sound effect to play after that when we <laughs> oh, introduce that's your that, you know? right there. Uh, yeah. Jeez, man, I got enough on my plate. Um, <laughs> all right, so today's topic for Scout versus Scout, the concept here is Joe and I are not afraid of confronting one another, talking a little trash, having a little healthy debate. Joe last week bragged that he was the debate team champ, right? Well, it's facts only. Facts only. Facts only. There you go. Well, facts only this. Uh, we are debating who has the, the title of the best conference in college football this year. And Joe, I started with my tight end crush. So I'm going to allow you to plant your flag firmly in the ground and tell us who the best conference in college football is. Kyle, the best conference in college football is the SEC. And I know that our focus of this discussion is this year, but I can't help but bring up a little history. When you look at the Southeastern Conference for the 12th consecutive year in a row, the conference produced the most draft picks of any other conference. So the best football players play football in the SEC. If you look across the last, eh, since 2006, four different SEC teams have won the college football national championship. And if you go back, uh, I guess, to 98, that that list extends to five. And uh, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to talk about specifically the conference that you're going to talk about because we'll get to that in my rebuttal. But I am very superior to you in both of those regards. But that's more about the, the past. If you look at this conference this year, I think right off the bat, you have two teams that I think most people expect to contend for a national championship in Alabama and Georgia. Auburn's a team that I don't think would surprise anyone if they wound up being the SEC champion, a team that beat Georgia pretty handily once last year. And 
you have this other wild card here in Mississippi State with Nick Fitzgerald and some really talented defensive players that arguably could be a top 10 team this year. So I've got four teams, in my opinion, that have a legitimate chance at competing for a national title. And then you have, what, for the middle of the conference, teams like LSU and Texas A&M and South Carolina, Florida, teams that are historically pretty sound. And I need to save some of my other comments for, I think, the rebuttal statements after you make your opening statement. But the best football players in the world with the most historic success with teams that are um, several teams that are expected to compete for a national championship reside in this conference. Even when you look at the bottom of the conference, look, it's Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Kentucky, those types of teams. But I think those, the bottom of the SEC stacks up very favorably compared to where the rest of the nation is. Joe, how many SEC teams made bowl games last year? I don't, I don't have that information. 11. Okay, out of 14. How many did they win? That's not important. Five. They went five and six in 11 bowl games, finished with five teams ranked in the final AP poll. The only other conference in college football to equal five teams ranked in the college AP uh, final AP poll was the Big Ten, who sent eight teams to bowl games and went seven and one. And the only loss was a shit Michigan team dropping a 16 to three lead in midway through the third quarter against South Carolina in which South Carolina scored, uh, I think 15 unanswered points in a span of um, two minutes, a game clock. Uh, Michigan dominated the first half of that game. And Michigan is probably like last year, Michigan was probably the sixth best team in the big 10 last year, the sec carried obviously both teams in the national championship. I don't think anybody's debating that the two best teams in college football last year were Alabama and Georgia. Alabama went 13 and one Georgia went 13 and two Auburn went 10 and four lost their last two games. Those are the only three teams in the sec that won 10 plus games in the big 10. You have Wisconsin, 13-1, oh, 9-0 in the conference. Crushed Miami in a bowl game. Northwestern won their last eight games, won 10 football games. Ohio State, 12-2, crushed USC, won their last five. Penn State, 11-2, won their last four. Beat Washington, who made that score look better than what it really was. Michigan State, 10-3, won their last three. Handily defeated Washington State who was at one point a top 10 ranked team in the nation last year. Michigan, 8-5. and five. This is an NFL defense in every single component. 8-5, and five, they lost their last three football games. They couldn't complete a forward pass if their life depended on it. They're bringing back Shea Patterson. Michigan State's bringing back 10 starters on offense. Ohio State, talent on all sides of the ball. They're loaded. Wisconsin is loaded. Northwestern's bringing back key starters on both sides of the football. Michigan, you know, big bounce back here. We just got done talking about Noah Fan. So maybe we don't have the dra- the high tier draft talent that the ACC or the SEC has. But the Big Ten this year has more than almost twice as many teams that won 10 games last year. The conference went seven and one in bowl games. And there's a lot of experience coming back. Michigan's gonna be better. 
Iowa's going to be better. Northwestern, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. It's it's all right there. Kyle, who's the best team in the Big Ten? Probably Wisconsin or Michigan State would be my guesses right okay. now. Would, would either one of them be favored to beat Alabama at a neutral site? You know, I would I would say probably not, but my argument's not centered around who the top team is. You, you no, this, I, this is I, no, listen I, now. This isn't Game of Thrones. This isn't like Roman times where we each pick a champion and we bring them together and it saves everybody else from being killed in battle. I give I me your look 14 teams. Give me your 14 teams. I'll give you my 14 teams. And we'll rank them 1 through 14 and put them at a neutral site. Every one of my 14 teams will be favored to beat yours. But I guarantee I Every do one not of them. believe that. Look at the bottom. Vanderbilt, worst team in the SEC, Vanderbilt. Worst team in the Big Ten, Illinois. Who's win, who, Who's favored to win that in neutral site? Vanderbilt. Tennessee, Tennessee and Rutgers. probably the worst team in the SEC. Oh, Tennessee's going to kill Illinois. Okay, so you've got your top two and your bottom three are better. Oh, I, I was prepared to go through all 14. Okay, so Alabama, you think, has beaten... Let's call it Wisconsin because I think Wisconsin's loaded. They just don't have a quarterback. Who's yeah. your two? Georgia? Ohio State. Georgia. Yeah, let's, let's go. go. I'll take that one. No. <laughs> okay. Georgia lost That's, a lot of offensive right. talent. They, they've got five-star recruits on top of stop five-star I'm recruits. Sorry? They've got talent. They've got talent okay. replacing that. But talent. they're not experienced. Ohio State's got more experienced playmakers. The only thing they're 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 replacing JT Barrett with a better passing quarterback. See, and I think you did see, and you did a weird thing here. You put Wisconsin number one, which if Ohio State was number one, we wouldn't even be talking about this. We I would Georgia would be favored over Wisconsin. I think you are who's your who's th- my three? Probably Michigan State. Yeah, Auburn's beating them for sure. How? God, I hope they play. I hope they play this year, so you can eat your words. Who's your four? Penn State. Put your what's put Penn State or Michigan? And I've got Mississippi State. No, I'm gonna put I'm All gonna right. put Michigan so look, up because I want that matchup for Mississippi State. Wouldn't that be fun? Michigan's Michigan secondary versus Mississippi State's wide receivers. It'd be good. It'd be good. That'd be a good match. I'm not going to sit here and say emphatically that I believe Mississippi State would beat Penn State or what did you say? Michigan State? Michigan, I, Michigan State, I think they Michigan. would. I don't know about, oh, oh well. Because Michigan's be got fun. like their entire defense is NFL starters at this point. Yeah, that'd be fun. It'd be fun to find that out. You know that uh, Joe Moorhead's familiar with Michigan too. Yeah, that'd be a fun yeah. game. But if you take my top four and you take your top four and you take my bottom four and your bottom four, I think I have probably – a minimum of five, probably six, arguably seven wins. I'm going to disagree. I mean, you start you start talking about the middle of the Big Ten. We're talking about like Northwestern, Purdue, Minnesota, Maryland. The middle of the SEC is like Florida, Missouri, Mississippi, South Carolina. Well, I mean, I'm good. Northwestern, Iowa, Michigan right now, and Purdue would be the middle of the Big Ten. There's some respectable teams in there. 
I mean, none of this is, we're not going to, there's no facts. There's no going to, nothing. Right. That's why I'm not pressing too hard right now because it's like, we're just going to get a giant pissing contest and and we're going to yell at each other. Talk in circles. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, you have to go back. There's only one team in the big 10 that's won a national championship in the last 20 years. And that's Ohio state. You have to go back to 1997 to see the first big 10 team to win a national championship, not name Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, but that speaks to the programs that are in the SEC right now that you've had five different teams win it since 97 or 98. You also have to remember the the way that the national championships formatting has been laid out. I would have loved to have seen, you know, some of the teams that didn't play in the national championship, those, all those years that those SEC schools got in, or all those years that, you know, Notre Dame getting in and getting slapped down by Alabama a couple years ago. Like the way that you selected teams to compete for the national championship, there's some inherent room for bias there, is there not? Hey, it's the parameters that existed. So I think there's some gray area there that uh, while I see your point that Ohio State's the only team that's won the national championship in the last 20 years from the Big Ten. There's been good teams that have played in the Big Ten that haven't had that opportunity. I don't know, Kyle. That's a wrap. I feel good about this. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. I actually want to hear from our listeners who they think uh, is the best conference. Joe, I'm actually surprised you didn't go with the ACC. Oh no, uh, it's definitely did you not think the, the ACC. ACC. Did you think the ACC was the best conference last year? It, or would probably, you have to think well, about it more? Yeah, I'd have to spend some time thinking about that. I don't think it's the ACC this year. I th- Clemson's a contender, and I think Miami talent-wise, I think of Miami a lot like you do Wisconsin. Malik Rogier's crap. And if they had a different quarterback, I'd be very optimistic because I think you look at every position group, there's really good talent at every one of them, offense and defense, except for Malik Rogier. Uh, so that, you know, kind of con- – it's a big concern. Florida State, it's not really Florida State right now. And NC State's not going to be the team they were last year. I, you know, look, I, I don't, I think ACC's third or fourth in, in the in the Power Five consideration for you know best conference. Wow. All right. Well, there you have, it, folks. Let Joe hear it. ACC fans, he's a hater. I'm a realist. Big Ten fans, let Joe hear it. He's a hater. Uh, he is at the Joe Marino on Twitter. I am at grinding the tape on Twitter. Let us know who you think the best conference is in college football. We would love to hear from you. It's one of the things that we're really trying to focus on is keeping you guys engaged and interactive with us as we work our way up to the buildup of the start of the 2018 college football season. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and follow along. Swing over to thedraftnetwork.com. Check out all the great stuff that we've got going on right now. Uh, Really, really think if you take that trip for the first time, you will not be disappointed. There's tons to dig into, whether it's the prospect database or the articles that we got written or some of the the daily content that we're working on right now from a scheme and um, theme perspective. So uh, take that trip. I think you'll like it. Kyle Crabb signing off with Joe Marino. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.